This is a free download from the BBC. For more information, go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts. Hello, dear listener. This is Ian Lee. Thank you so much for downloading my BBC Three Counties podcast. It's weekly, it's the best of, and this week I guarantee you there'll be no interruptions from Catherine Boyle, Ollie the Cleaner, or any celebrities with long hair from the 1990s. Now, coming up, this... Look, that's the worst singing I've ever seen in my life. My name is Simon Cowell. This... Poppycock. And a cheeky little bit of this. Bad Hanson. Overstepping, overstepping. Bad Hanson. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. This week on My Breakfast Show, I learned I'm brilliant at doing impressions, just like Bobby Davro or that bloke from the 70s. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at eight. Sing hosannas, Catherine. I've learned I can do a second impression in my repertoire. Oh, I've really? nearly got a full three-minute act. Go on. Oh, first set of tennis was about, and I played the second set of tennis, and I would have played all the tennis. <laughs> is that, that is Andy, like Ronnie Corbett. My name's Andy. I, do you know what my other impression is? My Andy Moore is a bit better than yours. That's Sean Connery. Do you want to? <laughs> do you want to hear my other impression? Yeah. Okay, you'll get this. This is genuinely brilliant. I haven't done it for a while, so I, hang on. Look, that's the worst singing I've ever seen in my life. Damon Oak. Simon Cowell. Hang on, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. Look, that's the worst singing I've ever seen in my life. My name is Simon Cowell. Any better? <laughs> Kylie Minogue. So this is him. Second set was a bad set of tennis for me. It was 3-1 up and then made some bad mistakes and then I turned it around really well after that. And this is me. I played the second set and then the first set and then I won the tennis match. My mum's called Judy. Or was it the other way round? Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wales is likely to become the first country in the United Kingdom to introduce a system of presumed consent for organ donation today. If passed, the new law will mean people need to opt out rather than opt in to the organ donor register. Well, Ollie Lewington has had a double lung transplant and joins us now. Morning, Ollie. Good morning, Ian. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. You sound... I don't know what I expected you to sound like. I, I think I expected you to sound all raspy and wheezy, but you sound young, fit and alive. Tell me your story, Ollie. What happened? Well, if you'd spoken to me five and a half years ago, I would have sounded wheezy and raspy and probably wouldn't have been able to talk to you for very long. But uh, in November 2007, I was given, I think, the greatest gift that anybody can receive, which was a new pair of lungs. And I'm now as fit and healthy as just about anybody else, I'd say. What was wrong with your lungs? Why did you need new ones? I had cystic fibrosis, which is the UK's most common life-threatening genetic disease, and it basically eats away at your lungs to a point where they don't work anymore. And by the time I got a transplant, I waited two and a half years on the transplant list when I'd only been given two years to live. So I was really living on borrowed time. And I think we all knew that, that Christmas 2007 was probably likely to be my last if I didn't receive that transplant in time. How old are you, Ollie? I'm 31 now, and so last year I... Uh, I turned 30, I 
got married and I celebrated my fifth anniversary post-transplant. Wow. So it was a phenomenal year. And I don't think any of my family ever thought that I would reach 30. I don't think we ever thought it was an age I was going to get to. So you were 25 when you thought you were celebrating your last Christmas. How do, do you and your parents, if there's, how do your family cope with, with that, thinking this is the last Christmas you, you could be celebrating? I think you, everybody copes with it in different ways. We tried not to acknowledge it, I think. You tend to live from moment to moment when you're on the transplant list. It's very much a life lived on pause. And so you just take each anniversary as it comes. So I celebrated my 25th birthday in the May, and then I was looking ahead and thinking, well, it's my girlfriend's birthday in August, so I'll see if I can get to that. It's my mum's birthday in October. I'll see if I can get to that. Then I've got Christmas. Then my brother's birthday at the end of January. I wonder if I'll be able to, to make it to there. You just live moment to moment. And so you're on the waiting list for, for lungs for, for two and a half years. Were there false alarms in that period? Did you get phone calls saying, j- j- pack a bag, we might have something for you? Or was yeah. the phone silent? That, no, no, it, it rang four times um, while I was on the waiting list. And I had, so I had, I had four false alarms, which... Is, is relatively common with lungs because they're such delicate organs. Mm. When they're being transported and when they're being checked to see whether or not they're viable for transplant, you need to have the recipient being prepared so that if they are viable, they can go straight into the recipient and save their life. Mm. The reality of that means that sometimes you're right ready to go, you're all ready to, to be wheeled down to theatre and a transplant coordinator comes in and says, I'm really sorry. Oh that it's not going ahead. And that is utterly devastating. Just the, the knowledge that you are so close to that new life and it's, it kind of feels like it's been taken away from you. You finally got the, the lungs after two and a half years. Uh, I, I would imagine it's... Uh, I mean, it's amazing what they can do, isn't it? As my mum would say, but it is amazing what they can do. They can put some lungs in someone and they work. Is it painful afterwards? What's the rehabilitation like after, after you've had that operation? Well, yes. It is painful. I think if you essentially get cut in half and have two of your major organs removed and replaced with someone else's, it's not, you know, it's not a small procedure. It ain't going to be fun, is it? No, exactly. No. But, you know, everything that I went through, the, uh, the six weeks that I spent in hospital, the three or four months I spent recovering and getting back up to speed afterwards, it's all worth it because I've now got a life that I, I didn't dare to dream about when I was on the waiting list because... You just didn't know if you were ever going to get here. And what can, can you can you do everything like an in inverted commas a normal person would do, Ollie? Have you got limitations? Not really. I mean, there's there's a few limitations just in terms of making sure that I try to protect myself from picking up infections and things like that. So you know, going swimming in stagnant water and <laughs> things like you know, oh, you've not got to stop when... swimming in stagnant water, have you, Ollie? <laughs> oh, nuts! Life isn't worth living. Exactly. I mean, the, the biggest the biggest adjustment that I had to make was that I'm not allowed to eat grapefruit anymore. That's the one thing that we get told you absolutely cannot do post transplant that to eat grapefruit. What does grapefruit do? It interacts with the immunosuppressant drug. Oh, OK, yes, I've heard that. Can... That you basically put yourself at massive risk of rejecting the lungs. And uh, if it's not too personal a question, uh, have you got a normal lifespan ahead of you? I mean, are these lungs going to last for the next, what, 40, 50 years? No, in right. short. It's not, transplant is not a magic bullet. Yeah. At some point, my body will recognise that it's got these two alien objects inside it and it will rebel against them and 
attack them and destroy them. Right. Now, the reality is we have no idea when that's likely to come. It could come in the next couple of weeks. It could come in the next couple of months. It could come 10, 20 years down the line. Mm. There are people who've had lung transplants who are now alive 25 years afterwards. So mm. we genuinely have no idea. They, Frankly, once you get past the first five years, people tend to, the, well, the doctors tend to say, you're pretty much on an even keel. It's, you know, your guess is as good as ours. Mm. I could talk to you all day. It's absolutely fascinating. But the, the, the thing, reason we're talking about this today is the opt-out system that, that is possibly being introduced in Wales. What do you think of an opt-out system for organ donation? It's a really difficult one because, on the face of it, it's a really good idea because, as you said, who would opt out of being an organ donor? And, and the reality is that 75% of the country say that they would be willing for their organs to be donated but only, I think, 31% at the moment are on the organ donor register. So, you know, there's, there's a good 45% of the country who are willing but not registered to donate their organs. So there's a huge pool that we're losing there. But at the same time, I think that it's slightly misguided in as much as it requires a lot of investment in publicity to make people aware of the fact that their organs will be used unless they have specifically opted out. And actually, the Spanish system is the one that's held up to be the the sort of paragon of virtue of organ donation. And the guy who pioneered that said that, that their system of presumed consent really didn't make any difference to the rate of organ donation. What made the difference was a huge investment that the Spanish government put into the organ donation system in terms of surgical teams and organ retrieval teams and donor coordinators and a whole raft of infrastructure changes Mm. that they made to enable more transplants to happen. And actually, the money that the Welsh Assembly are going to have to spend within Wales to publicise this, I think would be far better spent building that infrastructure so that the rest of us can worry about talking about this, about raising the awareness levels with the public... And, and trying to get people onto the organ donor register so that the NHS can then cope with the massive influx of additional organs mm. and, and the increased number of lives that they can save. John's in Bedford. Morning, John. Good morning. Uh, you've not called him about Lady Circles, you've called him about organ donation. Um, do you agree with me? We should have an opt-out system. I, I do agree, but um, my main concern was that my organs would be going to someone who shouldn't deserve them, like um, alcoholics and drug addicts. Right. Ma- mainly because I would rather sort of donate to research rather than uh, donate to someone who would be sort of wouldn't need them. Well, they would only go to people that, that were in requirement of them. They wouldn't just put them in someone who was healthy. Well, if someone's, like, wrecked their entire life through drinking, I yes. wouldn't want them sort of having my liver. You Even know, if I they were drink. on the straight and narrow and they, they, they were clean and sober? Um, there'd be no way to prove that. <laughs> well, if you, you, there, there would be ways to prove that they, they'd given up uh, the booze. But you can donate your body to, to medical science, I think, and, and specify it goes to a, a university or a medical school. Yeah, and I, I would probably go down that route myself, you know, rather than saying, no, I don't want to donate and just, you know, be horrible about yes. it. I would rather donate where it's needed most. What would be nice, John, is if when you're dying, not, not you, but when one is dying, is if they could bring in a prospective 
candidates, like the X Factor or something, and they bring in three candidates who put forward a story as to why they need your kidney, and then you can go, um, I'm going to go with number three. Well, choice is always a good thing. <laughs> it, might, it might be helpful, might it? It might work. Oh, definitely. I, I would agree with that. John, thank you. Well, someone needs to get in touch with Simon Cowell, because he could make this work. He can make organ donation sexy, make it a ratings winner, and it could save lives. You've got 30 seconds to explain why you want John's kidney. Starting from now. And John could buzz them off if he didn't enjoy it. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Page three of the mail. Sainsbury's girl refuses to serve shopper on a mobile. Good. Woman wanted to buy some shopping at Sainsbury's, was on her phone at the counter. The, uh, the cashier just looked at her. Is there a problem? Yeah, I'll wait till you finish your phone call before I serve you. Good for her. It's not Sainsbury's official policy. They since apl- uh, apologised to Joe Clark, the customer. I don't think they should have done. I think that the, one of the worst things in terms of manners uh, is walking into a shop and the, ca- the cashier is on the phone. Doesn't even look at me. The, my local corner shop, when I used to live in London, did, did it. And uh, the, the petrol station over the road for me did it all the time. Hated it. Well, if I hate it, then I have to give them the same respect as a customer, don't I? Lots of you have been having your say on Facebook. We'll look at those uh, in a bit, but we've been sending out Sophie Solaria, our reporter, uh, to investigate this further. Now, Sophie, earlier on you went into a news agent and you were, given, uh, yeah. you were given short shrift by the gentleman, weren't you? That was so embarrassing. You made me speak so loudly. I didn't know what to talk about. It was awful. This time, I'm going into a really full sandwich shop. Excellent. I put, I put my Mac on, yep. my Mac that says don't get embarrassed. Yep. So you can tell me. But let's talk about something more interesting this time. Let's talk. Because the last one was a bit boring. It was about nail varnish. Yes. This time, we should talk about my mate Nikki. She's having man issues. So if I go in Ooh. there talking about that and yeah. try and get served a coffee. Go and go and get a coffee and let's talk about Nikki. Why, go in. Right. What, what's, what's, okay. what's going on with Nikki? So I said to her, if she doesn't bring you by Friday, if she doesn't bring you by Friday, that he's just not interested. And yeah. she said, let me just text him one more time. Yeah. Well, she'd already texted him. I'm genuinely really interested here about Nikki. She'd already sent it six times already. <laughs> Are you in there? Are you in there, Sophie? Nikki, you're looking desperate, Nikki. Are you in there, Sophie? Oh, yeah, I'm in here now. Yeah, I'm okay. in here now. You're looking desperate. Order a coffee. Order a coffee. Oh. Oh, I've just. I've really, I have. I've, oh God, I'm actually getting shouted at. I've got. I've got to go. I've no, got to go. no, talk louder. Go back in there and talk louder. I get, okay, wait. Go in there and I'm demand a coffee. Excuse. Anyway, so then my friend Nikki, can I have a coffee, please? My friend Nikki has basically said she's really not taking it. Tell her she's it's not, really urgent. You need a coffee. You're really gasping. Urgent. I need a coffee. I need a coffee. I'm gasping for a coffee. She's just not letting me. Say it. Say it louder and say, can you hurry up? I'm on the phone. Do it, just say, hurry up, I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone. Can you hurry up? I'm on the phone. Now, she's just ignoring me. She's just ignoring Demand me. Demand a coffee, Sophie. I want a coffee. I want a coffee, please. She's, can you get out? She's just time to get out and leave him. Say, no, I refuse to get out. I refuse to leave. No, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Oh, my God, that was <laughs> You idiot. No, not, not you, you excellent reporter. So, Sophie, tell, tell me, describe the scene. <laughs> just describe what just happened there. I've just left my bag in there. Oh, go and get it! Go and get it, but keep talking loudly on the phone. I'm taking my bag with me. Goodbye. Oh, blimey. <laughs> so, so, Sophie, what happened in there? 
Well, that's that, isn't it? Yeah, this is excellent. This is an excellent... All of these shopkeepers, by the way, well done. You are doing completely the right thing. So, Sophie, what, what happened? There's, like, eight different men, builders, bricklayers, an old man reading the paper, yep. all having their bacon sandwiches and coffee. Yep. I go in, I waltz in, yep. I go up to the counter, there's a queue of people, I demand a coffee, you know the rest. Yes. People think I'm crazy. And did she actually say get out or did she, she point said to the it door? Six times she said, excuse me, can you get off the phone, please? Can I just say, spot on to that lady, absolutely perfect, congratulations. That's what we want. We don't want rude people wandering into shops and telephones. Ken's in Luton. What do you think about this, Ken? Morning, Ian. Morning. Because I stay bound most of the day, I watch out my window. Yeah. The things you see. Oh, yeah. I mean, a woman got out of her car the other day. She was on the phone when yeah. she got out of the car. Yeah. Across the main road. What? She's still on the phone. She knocks on the door. Yeah. Got a bloke that signed for the package. Still on her phone, mind you. Walks across the main road again. And I thought to myself, if she'd have got knocked down, she'd have blamed everybody else by herself. You know, they they seem... These cyclists, MP3s going on, what... How come they're all road safety? It's know, one of my things, up. Ken. We'll do this another day. Cyclists with headphones in. No, 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 no. Oh, Ian? Yes? About the tennis players. Oh, yeah. You know, the old grunters and groaners. The old grunters and groaners, yes, yes. Who make more noise than Mick McManus and Jackie Pallow. I'm old enough to know who you're talking about. Yes, that's right. Proper, proper wrestlers you're talking about. Oh, proper wrestlers. Yes. You know, they Kendo to, Nagasaki. Oh, all this. I mean, I, I stopped watching them. But I've watched Freeman ladies' tennis matches. Yeah. So... It, well, you don't, need to, you don't need to watch the tennis. You can see everything from your window, it's, it would appear. Yeah, but I've got a... Vice versa thing. What? When I get fed up with tennis, I'll look out the window. There you go, you see, vice versa. Neighbourhood watch. Yeah, exactly. What else do you get to see out the window? Ken? Oh, loads. Yeah? Loads, mate. Blokes, people drive down with a cup of coffee in their hands, filling oh, their, you know. Outrageous. They're late for breakfast, when they're late for work, yeah. they've got a cup of coffee in their hand and driving at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Owns in, everything. No, I mean... You're like, um, um, was it, who was it? Was it Cary Grant or, J- or Jimmy Stewart in Rear Window? Oh, I didn't watch it. No, you're not seeing that. You, you might see a you might see a murder in in, in your street, yeah, and you'll right. be the only witness. Right. But look out, because the murderer will come and try and get you. Oh, so well, you'll need right, you'll yeah. need to blind him with a flash from a camera. <laughs> if yeah, something I've, like that. I've even done that before now. You've done what? Blinded someone with a flash from a camera? Took photos. Of what? Well, kids throwing stones. We had a car window smashed, yeah. and uh, across the road had their car window smashed, yeah. and next door but one had their car window smashed, yeah. and uh, they were picking stones up off the drive. Oh, these for kids. goodness sakes. One was thrown across the road, and the other one was thrown at them over this side, so that's how they got smashed. And you took photos of them? Oh, yes. We all need a Ken in our street. Yes, we- neighbourhood one. Can we hire you out, Ken? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. 50 quid a day. Oh, hang on a second. You know you're, now you're taking the mick. Yeah, but I, I look after confidential equipment uh, receipts as well. So if I offer you county council, why not get in touch with me and know where I am? You'll be in your bed. Uh, Ken, thank you very much indeed. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Reservists will get £40 million of new kit and extra overseas training opportunities under proposals to increase the size of the part-time forces from 19,000 to 30,000 by 2018. 
A white paper published today will set out financial incentives for small firms employing reservists. Critics have labelled the strategy an attempt to create an army on the cheap. Well, under plans set out in 2010, the size of the regular army will be cut by 20,000 down to 82,000 by 2020. The MP for Milton Keynes North, a member of the Territorial Army, is Mark Lancaster. He joins me now. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Is this creating an army on the cheap, do you think? Well, I think given that the government are committing, I think, £1.5 billion to make sure that the Army Reserve, as it will be called, um, is properly funded uh, and has the proper kit, I don't think we're doing anything on the cheap, no. But we are reducing the number of, in inverted commas, real soldiers significantly. It seems odd to be investing in reservists, doesn't it? Well, I think probably, I think the 32 reservists who have died on operational service over the last uh, few years in Afghanistan would probably object to you suggesting that they are not real soldiers. It was inverted um, commas, Mark. It was, it was uh, uh, use of language. You know that. Play fair. Well, forgive me, I'm just repeating your words, but I think when, um, I think when a reserve is gone operational service, and from my experience of doing the same, it's very difficult to actually tell who's a reservist and who's a regular... How much training do, have, do reservists have compared to um, regular soldiers, if you're more comfortable with that? Well, it depends. Um, it depends on their speciality. And I think one of the points here is that, for example, I was trained as a bomb disposal officer, so I have specialist training in that field. And in that particular field, um, you know, we are, we are very good. Um, but you don't have the, the complete range of skills um, that a regular uh, soldier would have. But if you go on operational... So they, they, are, lacking, they are lacking s- several skills that regular soldiers have. So that no, does... You do, no, you, as a specialist, you simply specialise in one area. So well, you, you you just, sorry, I was just have... using the words so you, you used, Mark. You said they didn't have the complete so set of skills. So that you don't... Just so using the rule, words you said. So as a rural engineer, for example, if, right. I'm a bomb, if I'm a bomb disposal officer, I will specialise in being bomb disposal, but I okay. won't necessarily then also go and build bridges. But to answer your question directly, if a reservist is mobilised to go yes. on operational service, they will have a full package of pre-mobilised... Um, so they, they will have exactly the same skills as a regular soldier? When you go on operational service, yes, absolutely. Then why are we cutting 20,000 soldiers down to the almost significant figure of 80,000? Why are we doing that? To save money, surely? No, we're doing that because there's a recognition that uh, the skill sets within um, the army, there are certain skills, for example, let's say uh, a doctor or a medical officer, which you only really need um, when you go on when you go to war. So a peacetime army that is not mobilised doesn't need the same number of, of specialists. So do you agree with this? Not. Do you agree with this cutting down the, the services by twenty thousand? I think I agree entirely with that we have to have an army that's fit for the threats that we um, face. There'll be lots of regular soldiers, Mark, who are offended by you thinking it's okay to cut twenty thousand soldiers' jobs. Well, I think we've had three trances of redundancy, and I think in the last trance, um, 87% of people who are being made redundant are volunteer for What about the next 20,000 by 2020? How many of them are going to volunteer? No, no I, think, I think that's already been... Right, those, OK. Those figures, those so figures we don't, we don't need them. Through. We don't need them. And, and regular soldiers won't find that offensive? I think what we're saying is that we are simply rebalancing the army to make sure that it's fit, fit for the sorts of things that we expect to be so done the, over the, the next... So the 20,000 people who'll be losing their jobs, they're not fit for the, the purposes? I'm getting confused, Mark. Well, I don't know why you're getting confused. Because you're I not think... being very clear, that's why. The, the 20,000 that we're losing, they're not fit for the purpose. No, I think what we're saying is that we have to sort of try, uh, you know, and cut our cloth, don't we? So we are now having a... Um, a, a so it is financial. 
No, it's not. Well, you've just used not. the phrase "cut our cloth," which means we have to save it's money. Not. So it is financial. Well, certainly the government in, certainly the government inherited a twenty-three billion deficit. In <laughs> Mark, yes. you've been in government for about three years now. It does time you when you keep blaming it back three years ago. Uh, you, uh, it is to cut our cloth, is it? It's to save money. One of the factors about rebalancing the army, well, the primary factor to rebalance the army is to make sure that it's fit for purpose for what we're trying to do uh, as we move forward, OK? I'm yes, just confused are, by your yes, use of yes, the phrase to are, cut our costs. Of course there's financial constraints. There's right, financial, thank you. There's financial constraints across the whole, the whole of government. I mean, OK, so it's, part of it is to save money. That's all I was asking. Well, I think the principal point why we're trying to do this is simply to uh, make sure that the army's fit for role in the future. OK, and, and part of that is to save money. Well, there are financial constraints. OK, so there will be uh, regular soldiers. Uh, so, so it is an army on the cheap, then, isn't it? If it's a cheaper option, if it's a cheaper option, Mark, to have reservists rather than regular soldiers, then it, it, it is an army on the cheap. No, I don't think it's an army on the cheap at all. In fact, there are some people who argue that actually through the process of mobilisation of reserves, uh, they can end up being more expensive. It's not an argument I agree with, but there are some who, who say that. So actually, you know, the financial constraints have been secondary to trying to sort out and make sure that we have an army that has the right set of skills um, across its breadth to meet the operations that we may face in the future. And uh, people who are not in the army full-time, who do other jobs, uh, who, who don't have the full training of the regular army, uh, they are the right people to defend our nation and our, uh, our freedoms around the world. No soldier is sent on operational service without the full pre-deployment package, meaning that there's no difference between the uh, ability of the reserve on operational service or the regular. OK. Uh, can, can you just say that, Mark? We've got uh, Jeffrey's on the line. Morning, Jeffrey. Morning, Ian. Jeffrey, what's, what would you like to say? Well, I just think all that manager's just saying about the army being reduced to uh, a, a composite force that's going to be effective given the current situation in the world is just hogwash. It's just basically hogwash. All the, all the government, the government is slicing away at the easiest aspects of um, cutting government expenditure, which is the military, which should always take orders, always obey, and always do what, what is right, Where, whereas it won't cut a massive over-expenditure on social services because it, it won't win elections that way. Mark, what do you think about that? Well, I think if uh, the gentleman on the phone looks at actually what is being done when it comes to cutting the cost of social services, he'll be, uh, he'll be impressed with what the government's doing. Uh, but I don't recognise that the sole driver of what's happening over uh, the, re the rebalancing of the armed forces is purely financial. It's not. But it is definitely part of it, as you, you admitted earlier on. Well, I certainly admitted that we inherited a £23 billion you also there, admitted, yes, Mark, which is now for Mark, the first time, Mark. which now for the first time defence has actually got a balanced budget. The coalition has been in uh, power for, for three years. According to George Osborne, most of it should have been sorted out by now. He's failed. You can't keep blaming it on Labour. Listen, you admitted yourself. I'm the not part of this, on Labour. Well, you you, you keep bringing saying. up this, this thing that you've inherited. You've been in power for three years. You've admitted yourself part of this is, is to save money. Well, I, we've made it absolutely clear that uh, for the first time in three years, the defence budget is balanced, yes. OK, Mark, thank you very much indeed. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey everybody, I'm Isaac. I'm Taylor. And I'm Zach. And, and we're, we're Hanson. Today on Ian's show, we have a math expert. Yeah, uh, lad, sorry, uh, what, what are you doing? Uh, we were just introducing the math section. Yeah, no, I'm not. Oh, goodness sake, not being funny. We're, you're going to be on later on. I, I do uh, the I do the introductions and the links. Is that yeah. okay? Oh, we, oh we, sorry. It just seemed like such an easy job. I mean, we were going to. 
Now, we figured, back, <laughs> paid for this. Back That's in it. your box, Hanson. Uh. And the worst part of my show this week was when Graham Lawler, some maths bloke, sent me this, in inverted commas, maths problem. I've got two coins in my pocket and they add up to £1.50 and one huh? of them is not a pound coin. What are they? Now, I thought the answer was that he had uh, two American dollars and that would equate to about £1.50. But no, that would have been too obvious. But a lot of you seem to get it right. Graham, stay there. Amanda's in Luton. Good morning, Amanda. Hello, Ian. Amanda, have you worked out this annoying problem? I hope so. Go on. Well, I think if I say it to you like this, Ian, it might be a bit easier. Go on, then. I have two coins, and one of them is not a pound coin. Right. But the other one is... Oh, you are... Graham, has she got it right? Yes, spot on. Well done. Uh, Amanda, are you are you a, b- a bit brainy anyway? You don't sound it. Are you? <laughs> no, oh, you heard I, that. I do like maths, and I do work with numbers every day. Do you like maths? I love maths. Really? Yes, really. How does maths make you feel inside? All warm and fuzzy. Oh, look at Graham. Graham's loving it. He's like Hugh Hefner all of a sudden. a fine woman. A fine, fine woman. (laughs) (laughs) That must excite you. Someone saying that maths makes them all warm and fuzzy inside. joyful. It's a wonderful day. Happy Fourth of July to our American job, too. Oh, for goodness sakes. Uh, Andrew's in Hatfield. Andrew, did you get that ridiculous answer? Well, I say... Yes? Taking what he said literally... Yeah. And in his pocket was a pound coin and a 50p because he didn't say neither of the coins yeah. were a pound. He said one of them wasn't. <laughs> Seriously, we've got to find out where Graham Lawler lives and, and, and put something through his letterbox that's unpleasant. Andrew, I believe you've got um, a, a problem for a maths problem for Mr Lawler. Oh, God. Yeah, oh, you see, Graham? It's not all one-sided <laughs> well, traffic here. <laughs> well, I'm a taxi driver, so this is taxi-related, if you like. OK. I take somebody somewhere and... When I get to the journey, it's quite a distance, and I say, that's £30, please. And he says, whoa, sounds a bit expensive. Phone your boss and see if I can get a reduction. So I phone the boss, and the boss says, well, give him back £5. Okay. But I don't. I'm sneaky. And I put £2 in my pocket, and I give him back 3 which means the fare cost him 27 and I've taken 2 So where's the other pound coin? What? Graham? This is actually a very famous maths puzzle. Go on, then. And there are various versions of it. And OK. There's, there's the taxi driver version. There's also a version with horses. And it is actually... Well, we haven't got time to go through it all. It's a brilliant puzzle, and yeah. he's quite right to, to, hang, to put it out. Yeah, hang on a minute, Graham. What yeah. I'm hearing here is what I like to call stalling. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we, we've got five minutes, Graham. We've got as much time as you need to try and answer this one. Yeah. Well, it's... it's comes under something that's called double counting. Right. right? Is the way that it's worked out. Um, throw it out to the audience. See if people can get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Andrew, it th- maths can be fun. No, it doesn't. It shows <laughs> that you can be irritated. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can have great fun with maths. <laughs> Oh, really can. Yes, OK, Graham. The joy. Well, listen, no, listen, on a serious note, this is part of the problem, isn't it, with maths lessons uh, at the moment. I remember doing maths. Double maths was a nightmare because it was taught in such a dull way. Yeah, and we, we, i, I got to agree with you there. And I went to school up in the northwest with Carol Vorderman, all right? Oh, no. And I, can, I know exactly what it feels like to sit in a classroom when the teacher went, Carol, did you get that? Yes, Mr Parry. And the oh. rest was going, what? 
what's he on about? We didn't get it at all. And when I became a maths teacher, um, we actually did a lot of work to make it accessible. And you do that by having fun and telling stories around that. Um, and things have changed a lot in schools. You find a lot of school children now and actually say, I really enjoy maths. It's great fun. And it's a real joy to solve puzzles and problems and things like that. And we need more people doing that. Andrew, very quickly, can you give us the answer to your problem? Well, I, I, I think you've got quickly. I have another one I don't think you'll get either. No, don't give us another. No, no, don't give us another. We've got 20 seconds. Give us the answer to that one. Well, I was hoping he'd say because I've got a whole taxi full of pound coins. I don't know who owns them. Oh, for goodness sake, both of you have gone. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. So, the last bank holiday of the year, should it be called Margaret Thatcher Day? Well, Tory MP Peter Bone wants it renamed. I would suggest he should rename himself before he starts renaming bank holidays. But what do you think? I, I can't see an argument against this. Margaret, happy Margaret Thatcher. Happy Margaret Thatcher Day. Oh, I forgot the Margaret Thatcher cake. I wonder what films are showing on Margaret Thatcher Day, Mary Poppins, it'll be. Or The Love Bug. 08459 455 555. Well, we sent our reporter... Sorry. We sent our reporter, Kelly Betts, out and about. Kelly, where are you? Hi. Hi there. Hi, I'm just outside in Luton. Nice and sunny day. Yes. Just saying happy Margaret Thatcher Day to people that I pass. Happy Margaret Thatcher Day to you. I'm assuming... Justin's still away on holiday. Yes. Sophie couldn't make it? No. No. Um, Ollie's busy. Ollie's busy. Yeah, Gareth couldn't come in today. Yeah, no, Gareth's busy as well. OK, Louisa couldn't do it. Ollie the cleaner Barry couldn't do it. Um, can't do it. So work experience. It's you. Well, yeah. well, well done you. Don't mess it up. I'll, I'll try. This is, this is your big chance. So, Thanks. you've been asking people about the prospect of Maggie Thatcher Day, have you? I have, and I would like to say it's a mixed response, except most people aren't that bothered. Oh. Most people that I ask are just like, oh, well... Mean yeah. no speak English. Yeah, some were. Some were just like, yeah, well, don't mind. Well, this is going to make an interesting two minutes of audio, yes, isn't it? it is. Shall we yeah. have a listen? Hey, press play. So, Margaret Thatcher, there could be a bank holiday named after her, and it could be the August 26th bank holiday. How do you feel about that? Fine. I'm nothing, no problem with that at all. I lived through her reign. Oh, OK. And you were a supporter of her? Yes. I've not been in this country for long, so I don't really know what Margaret Thatcher stands for. Is there anyone that you think should have a bank holiday named after them? It depends on the people of the nation, what they feel about it. Do you think uh, our presenter Ian Lee deserves a bank holiday named after him? I'm not really sure. What about the Smurfs? I I have no idea. (laughs) So August 26th could be day for Margaret Thatcher. How do you feel about that? If they name it after her, they name it after her. She was in power and at the end of the day, she did what she thought was best. Just leave it as a bank holiday. What happens to just leaving things as they are and stop trying to change things and make it sort of bigger than what it really is. Who do you think um, there should be a bank holiday named after? You're quite young. Do you think someone sort of cool, like, I don't know, Faith from Steps? (laughs) (laughs) Faith from Steps, oh, yeah. (laughs) doesn't affect me too much, because obviously I was born after she did whatever she did. It's just I'm not really first. What about yourself? Quite similar, actually, just... As he said, like, she did all everything she's done. It obviously affected my parents, so... Do you feel that there is somebody who is deserving of a bank holiday being named after them? Yeah, probably, I suppose, I suppose so. Who would you say? It could be anyone, anyone in the world. Who would, you, who would you think deserves it? Is there a rapper that you like? So, no, if anything, if anything, it shouldn't be named after anyone like that. If It should be named after her instead of anyone else. Yeah, OK. So if if like you're going to put it in that type of category, because, yeah, she actually did quite a lot for us, even though people didn't like what she did. 
she still did quite a lot and it's actually this is this is where we are now because of her our presenter ian lee thinks that he should have a bank holiday named after him what do you think depends what he's done did some telly stuff then I don't think something like you have to do something that makes a, like a real change. Um, Ian Lee or Margaret Thatcher? Who do you think should get the bank holiday? Um, Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Made more of a difference yes. to like the world. She Whatever. Made more of a difference no. to like the world. Listen, I um, discovered Ricky Gervais and Ali G. Right. Oh right. So yeah. I, when I say discovered, I mean I'm, I've been in the same room as them. So <laughs> I've done lots to influence. What rude! What rude young people they are. <laughs> Aren't they rude? Are you finished? Me? Yeah, I'm just going to have a cup of tea. Nice one. Marie's in Offley. Marie, would you like to be celebrating Happy Margaret Thatcher Day? Not really, because I think Sir Winston Churchill deserves some backup. He was an alcoholic, wasn't he? He saved us from Hitler. Yeah. Yeah, but he was an alcoholic. I, I just wonder how appropriate it is to have a bank holiday celebrating, you know, someone who couldn't put the booze down. Yes, but listen. Yes. He saved us from Hitler. Margaret Thatcher. Think about it. Margaret Thatcher saved us from ourselves. Mm. Well, a lot of people weren't very keen on her, were they? No, a lot of people weren't very keen on Churchill. Mainly the Germans, but still, he had his detractors, didn't he? Why would you like to celebrate a Winston Churchill Day, Marie? Well, he saved us from Hitler. As you said, anything else? Think what he did. Yep. Anything else? No. Excellent stuff. That's Marie and Offley. Well, what do you think, dear listener? Margaret Thatcher Day. I, I, I don't think we're going to get a good argument against it. Happy Margaret Thatcher Day. I'd even buy cards. I'd send cards to people. I'd send cards to people at the Socialist Worker. That'd learn them, wouldn't it? Hey, eh? oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Peter's in Warmer Green. Peter, I know you've not called in about this. We'll get to your point in a second. But would you celebrate a, a Margaret Thatcher Day? Only if you had a Jimmy Savile day the following day. OK, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. Political correctness gone mad. Peter, what have you called in about? I've Europe. called in about this referendum. Yes. It's been kicked in long to longer grass. It... And uh, if, you, if you go by their political structure, really, and put it politely... Yes, and please do put it politely. Really putting it politely. Very politely. They are really saying to... to uh, that there be an economical with the truth because it's going to be 10 years up to the... Pushed back another two years, 2017. Yep. It's going to be a private member's bill which has got very little chance of passing it in any case. Yes. So it's just sheer window hang, hang, dressing. Hang on a minute, hang on a minute, Peter. Yeah. Are you accusing... David Cameron, our Prime Minister, a man who I once offered a sausage roll to. That's yeah. true. That's true, that bit. Um, are you saying that he's a liar? Absolutely. He promised That's... one before. But he's promised, promised, he's double promised this one. <laughs> it's a double promise. I'll tell you what, I'll yes. tell you what, I've, I've heard a Flashman before and it sounds very similar. You've heard a what? I heard a Flashman. What's the Flashman? It was the, um, if you like, it was the public school boy who was the bully at a particular oh, school. That's a very, that's, I, I, I know, I'm aware of the term, yes, the Flashman, yes, of course. So you're, you're not, if we did have an EU referendum, Peter, yep. which way would you vote? Well, I wrote the same way as I did on the first one. Yep. And that's against. You'd be, you'd be against it. But do you think we could survive in beds, hearts and bucks? Would, would Woolmer Green be able to survive 
without being part of Europe. Do you think we're, do, do you think the public are better off now than they were before? Well, don't answer a question with a question, Peter. Well, well, answer a question with an answer. That's, but that's what people don't do. Yes. They don't ask, what? answer it with a question. No. Yeah. Would Wool... I'll, I'll try it again. Would Woolmer Green be better off if we were out of Europe? I think so. Why? Well, because generally, generally, we are... Uh, if you like, we everything that seems to happen yes. seems to happen through Europe. Uh, Their rules are, are overbearing on this country. Those are rules. France is never like Britain anyway. We are going to finish up if we go on like we're going. We're going to finish up as the dumping ground for all oh. the surplus uh, 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 um, uh, atomic uh, waste yep. that France has got. What? And now we're an island, offshore island, that's all. Well, we are an offshore island. Absolutely. Hence, you could, you could lose the word offshore and just say island. It's going to be a dumping ground for the atomic waste as well. You believe me. Peter in Warmer Green, I don't, but I appreciate your time. Now, my highlight of the week, it's not talking to local councillors or MPs or, or winding up Mark Lancaster. No! The highlight for me is where I get to play a BBC introducing track and get it reviewed by the delightful... Nanny Eileen. Good morning, Nanny Eileen. Good morning, Ian. How are you this morning, my love? Um, fine, thank you. You sound very perky. I don't feel perky. I am faking it to be making it. I'm hoping if I keep sounding perky, my body and my brain will try uh, to well, catch yeah. up with me. Yes, I yeah. understand. You had a nice weekend? Oh, no, ooh, let's do that again. Cut that bit. Had a nice week? Um, yes, very nice, thank you. Haven't done very much, but I've had a lovely new front wall built. Oh. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound very exciting yeah. to you, but no, things like that are are exciting. No, I totally know what you mean. Yeah, and it was built by this yo- lovely young Asian guy. Oh, okay, he's only twenty. Yeah, um, here we go. He did a, a course at Barnfield College. Yes. And he thoroughly enjoys his work. Well, then, isn't that nice to see someone who enjoys their work? Yes. Now, Nanny Eileen. Yes. Listen, uh, we, each week we get you on, and you must have been doing this for months now. Yeah, aren't you getting fed up with me? No, I'm not getting fed up with <laughs> you at all. But, but I was, I was, I had a, a desperate phone call in the week yes. from an elderly gentleman, Barry from Watford, yes. who said I would absolutely love to come on and review the BBC introducing track with Nanny Eileen. Would you mind? I kind of said no. We, it's Nanny Eileen's gig. We give it, giving it to her. Oh. But, but he's insisted. Oh, please let him. So, Nanny, say hello to Barry. Hello, Barry. Poppycock. Sorry. Poppycock. What do you mean? I never phoned you up and begged to review you. I'm sorry, Eileen. Nice to speak to you. Thank too. you. I am very perky, but you, you bet you begged me. I did no such... You begged me. Uh, oh, no. not how I remember no, it. No, you wouldn't know, Barry. Well, yes. Nonsense. Yes. 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 Thank you. You're yes. welcome. Begin. I will do. Thank you. Yes. OK. Now, Hello? B- yeah, Barry, you're... How, uh, how old are you, Barry? 82 years old. Okay. Young. Young. (laughs) Exactly. Oh. All right, pencil neck, get on with it. (laughs) (laughs) Eileen. Yes. Ignore him. Now, uh, motor racing, you're a big fan of the Formula One, aren't you? Yes. They're all going to go on strike this weekend. Yeah, I don't blame them after what happened last weekend with those tyres. Well, didn't one of them um, got blown out in his car, didn't he? Was it five that... Blue eyes? Five yeah. of them. Oh, yeah. dearie me. Well, that's no good, well, is it? One car? Sorry? No, no, oh, no. One car. No wonder they go so fast nowadays. 
blind. <laughs> well, they have got five wheels. What? They've got the steering wheel. Oh, you know what? You have to get up very early to catch out Manor Island, don't you? <laughs> That's absolutely right. Now, listen, uh, the, the, yes. yeah, the reason we're here, Barry and Eileen, yes. is, to, yeah, is to review this week's BBC Introducing track. Now, for Barry, do you know what BBC Introducing is? Uh, no. OK. Shall I tell him, Eileen, or do you want to? No, you tell him. OK, you don't know either, do you? Of course, I do. of course you do. Right. Now, BBC Introducing, it's a show, Saturday nights, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's oh, yeah. for lots of local, unsigned, up-and-coming musical acts, groups, singer-songwriters, that kind of thing. Got it. Yeah. And each week we review the song. Oh, nice. Yeah. So this week it's yeah. um, a, a, a group called Big Sixes. Okay, mm-hmm. so. They're from Chesham, and their song is called The Hunter. Oh. Now, Barry, nice. would, you, would you like to introduce it this week? Ladies and gentlemen, they come all the way from Chesham. They're called the Big Sixes, and this is their track called The Hunter. <laughs> oh dear. I've been talking to the ceiling. What a way to spend an evening. Big Sixes. They're from Chesham, and that's their song, The Hunter. Loved it. Part of. Sorry? Loved it. Let me finish the um, the spiel. It's part oh, of right. yeah, part of the BBC introducing uh, show that you're here on Saturday nights with Gareth from eight o'clock. Barry, we'll get to you after we've spoken to Nanny Eileen. Nanny Eileen, oh. yeah, she's been doing it longer. <laughs> yes, uh-huh. I, I enjoyed that. It was a bit repetitive, but I loved the way their voices blended. Some very, so yeah, some very nice harmonies, weren't mm, there? Really, really nice. Do you yeah. know, I'm very keen on young bands. There's a young band on with me at the Watford Palace Theatre next Friday. No, 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 no we're not going to. We're, we're not going to. We're not going to. on at Watford Palace. Yeah, we are uh, not. Gonna me, me, plug. Yeah, I'm talking no, now. My show. Yeah, we oh. no steady. We are not going to uh, uh, plug that. It's the BBC. Well, so, even though it's me and the fast shows, John Thompson, the week tonight no, at the Watford Palace Theatre. No one's. I actually, think your listeners would like to I see don't that. Don't think they would. See it. Oh, for goodness sake. They might like to grab a pen and write down the box office no, number. They wouldn't, Barry. Yes. Uh, well, I, <laughs> Eileen. <laughs> Mark's... Oh, for goodness sakes. Mark, 7.45, the curtain goes up. You coming, Eileen? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Eileen. Come on, Eileen. Oh, that's oh. my theme song. Yes, if that's, the kind yeah. of, if that's the kind of material they can hear, Barry, oh, then so no one's... Just to recap, that's 7.45, no. a week tonight at Watford Palace Theatre, me and the far show, John Thompson. Right. Eileen, Mark... I do apologize. Mark's out of ten, Eileen, for, um, for the... Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for the big sixes. And, and Barry, have you got a number? I'd say ten. I really liked it. I really liked it. That's, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, 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 Eileen, I do apologise that your, your slot has been hijacked. Please don't apologise. It was huge fun. Are you sure? (laughs) You are sweet. That's a free ticket for Eileen for my show. (laughs) (laughs) Friday. Right, we've got to save water. We're wasting water. Shorter showers. Only fill the kettle up as much as you need. David's in Luton. Morning, Dave. Good morning, Ian. We should have shorter showers, Dave. Yeah. Yeah? But they're talking about this water all the time. Yes. About short... Well, of course it is, because the earth is burning up gradually. What? And it's drying up all the water. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a second. The earth is burning up gradually? Yeah. What? 
Yeah. Is this a fact? Yes, this is, is it? a fact. Yeah, you read the Daily Mail a lot of times. Oh. The Daily Mail is a very, very good paper. They really are full good. of facts, it's, aren't they? You are, well, I'm going by them. Yes, I'm OK. Not, I'm not a explorer or anything of that nature. I go by what they well, say. The uh, earth okay. is burning up okay. and the water's drying up. Well, if, if right. that's a fact from the Daily Mail, David, let me give you another fact from the Daily Mail today. Page three, overfilling yeah. our kettles wastes £68 million a year. That's from the Daily Mail. Well, that's it. Yeah, so I'll read it. So I've, I've just got out of bed, so I'm going to have a read of that later. But listen, what's more important, water to a human yes. or a 252-mile-an-hour train Ooh. on a lot railway line? Has it got water on it? Well, I'm not worried about if it's got water on okay, it. Right. Well, it would have, but... Um, yes. Well, it'd be water, wouldn't it? Yes, you're, you're so correct. Well, then they build reservoirs what? on that HR2 track... Yeah. Save all this hundred billion pounds. Yeah, reservoirs. Yeah, but the wa- water. But the earth's burning up. You've just said so. Even if we have a reservoir, you can't make more water. Well, it'd be burning up more when this, these diesel. Uh, well, what are the electric trains? The HRT. Yeah, the two hundred twenty-two yeah. mile an hour. Would you get on a train? I wouldn't get on an HRT two, train. No, I would get on any train at two hundred twenty mile an hour. That is most. Re- and going on that off that subject. Oh, okay. That, that man was a disabled man. Yeah. There's human rights in this country. There's discrimination acts, yeah. laws yes. in this country. Yeah. What, what, what's this country... Doesn't this country give a damn of disabled people and human rights and discrimination acts? It, it would seem not. No. It would seem well, not, it, David. Although, that blooming Abu Qatada, his human rights are being well looked after, aren't oh, they? Uh, uh, you, you get me annoyed now because you keep on going on about... Uh, to Kelly, and you keep on going on to Catherine. What? You're, no, you're annoying me now. Because well, Ke- go listen, Kelly Bates and Catherine Boyle deserve every rude comment they get on air, Dave. No, I'm not concerned. Very nice. I have no they're concern very... for their human rights. They don't have any. They work for me. Well, I'll have a word with Justin when he comes back. Uh, Justin Dealey's not coming back. He got the boot. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing, David. You won't be laughing when you, you read about it in the Daily Mail. What on earth is he talking about? I don't give my team a hard time, especially not Catherine Boyle off of the news reading. The weather mainly dry with sunny spells and a top temperature of 20 degrees Celsius. That's 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Boyle. Hey, Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. So you and my... You are such a weirdo, by the way. Sorry. (laughs) I'm not the uh, one, like you and my producer today, Richard Williams, who both got sunburned. Well, we didn't lie in bed all day. No. No. What? What does that mean? No, uh, you... But that's why you haven't got sunburn. No, I Because you were lazed around like a slugger bed. I wasn't in bed. Slugger bed. <laughs> I was not in bed. I was actually... Um, I've worked out that I can watch YouTube on my proper television, so in many ways I was conducting a science experiment. Oh, but see. you and Williams, you've turned up. There was one day, one afternoon of sunshine. You're both as red as beets, you fools. <laughs> what were you thinking? I was thinking, let's get outside while we can. You do the news. Yeah. Just making sure you knew that. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, everybody. We're Hanson, and we're excited to be on Ian's show today. We're going to play a few new songs and talk about our new record, Hanson. Yeah, oh, we might just take over the show, if that's OK. Yeah, because, you know, it's not really that hard. Yeah, steady on again, fellas. I just popped out for a second. I come back. Your cheek, what? Oh, we were just... <laughs> sorry, I'm... Sorry. Sorry, sorry we are taking we, over. I Hanson. Bad Hanson. Overstepping. Overstepping. Bad Hanson. 
I'm going to go and write a pop classic in five minutes. I, I bet that's a piece of cake. <laughs> Here, oh, for goodness sakes. Here are Hanson with an interview, although, to be honest, I don't think we should play it. We've been to kind of doing a, a blind Pepsi challenge with, with your single, and I've been playing this, the, the uh, Get the Girl Back, which is the, the single, and saying, this is a brilliant song, I'm not going to tell you who it's by, have a listen. And everyone goes, hey, that's, wow, that's a great record. Who's this hip young band, Hanson? And uh, no-one believes it. No-one can believe it, because it, 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 you, the thing is, is, is this your sixth album? It's our yeah, sixth album. Album yeah. number six, which is, you know, we feel pretty pretty happy about that. It's it's a lot to get to album number six. Yeah. Do you miss the hysteria of the mid-90s, that, you know, when you were a pure pop band and it was screaming 12-year-old girls? Do you miss that? Well, I mean, uh, the, the My biggest, hearing doesn't miss yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, the biggest downside <laughs> of screaming 12-year-old girls is no one could hear the music. How did you guys meet? <laughs> well, um, it, we were at the hospital. It was 1985. Actually, we were at home because I was at home birth. Yeah. Exactly. Oh no, that's messy. You don't want that. Wow. Well, at what point? Obviously, your brothers. I'm teasing you. But at what point did you go? Hang on a second. We might have a really good band here. Well, it's it's interesting because you know obviously we started singing together when I was like six, and uh, we were the band for about five years before we got signed. A while before people actually knew the band, but. Um, I joke that I didn't actually join the band until I was about 18, you know, because it was sort of, it's so natural, this process, being the band. Um, it's just something that happens and something that you're enjoying and you don't think about it. And then one day you're like, oh, right, right, this is, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, I'm in a band. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> I've sold 10 million yeah, records. Because, well, yeah, I mean, because, you know, when you're rehearsing in your living room, it doesn't always so much feel like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I'm in a band quite in the same way. It's a little bit more like a... Just an, a direct extension of you. It becomes a lifestyle. I mean, there, yeah. there are a few people that actually know me in particular before we were, you know, in a band because yeah. I was six. Exactly. You know. Your other siblings. <laughs> Listen, the, the new album is called Anthem. And boy, oh boy, if, if, if you want to hear what Hanson sounded like in uh, 2013, play the first song. The first song, Fired Up, is a filthy rocker. <laughs> I, I was su- I, even well, I was surprised. It's, it's very, it's, it's, I don't mean dirty in content, but it's, it's got an edge to it. Well, oh yeah. yeah, it does. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's. A, I mean, the the thing is, it's it's just a lead guitar, drums, bass. It's it's basically the DNA of an ACDC song. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, I mean, just know, a straight out of the box, simple with a Led Zeppelin time signature. Yeah, we, we yeah. exactly. We, not not to say that we're equivalent to those at all, but oh, hang on, ha- Hanson are bigger than Led Zeppelin. I can see the headlines now. Look, <laughs> you saw what the Beatles did with Jesus. You're bigger than Led Zeppelin. That's in some ways. Uh, that's what. Yeah. Listen, uh, what, what, what the new singles get the girl back. Can you play that one on guitars yet? Oh, absolutely. Can, yeah. can we hear a bit? Of course. Yeah. Oh, there you go, chaps. This, this is a little more of a Motown throwback. Little. Oh, this, is a, this is a cracking song. Here we go. She's about to walk away. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Andy Murray, and I played two sets of tennis in front of my mother, Judy. I suggest you go and leave nice comments on iTunes about the podcast and maybe a nice five-star review, and then maybe I'll win the Wimbledon tennis games. I'm going to do my Simon Cow now. Look, basically, at the end of the day, this is Simon Cowell from The X Factor and other programmes. And if you leave a nice comment about the podcast, then I'll send you off to boot camp. It wasn't really Simon Cowell, it was me! <laughs> yeah. mm. 
Well, that's it. That's the best of this week of the Ian Lee Show. You can listen to me live, BBC Three Counties Radio, every weekday morning between six and nine. You can go back and listen to full shows on the BBC iPlayer. But I appreciate you downloading this podcast and carrying me around in your pocket while you're on the bus. Thank you very much. Oh, if you've got a story or you're an unusual band and might like to come in on a Friday or you're big in the 90s, then send me an email, ian.lee, I-A-I-N dot L-E-E at bbc.co. And I might send you a reply. Ta-ta. Thanks for listening to this free download from BBC Three Counties Radio, your local radio station for beds, hearts and bucks, on FM, AM, digital radio and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. 